2: Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to check out everything we do at undergroundusa.com. A couple weeks back, I talked with Judson Carroll, an herbalist and holistic homesteader, and host of the Southern Appalachian Herbs podcast. We talked about how Americanism is symbiotic with individualism and how individualism walks lockstep with self sufficiency and individual responsibility. Simply put, while the snowflake left likes to make fun of those who know how to live off the land, take seriously being prepared for hard times, when those times come, they will be the ones pleading with the prepared for help. James Walton is the host of I Am Liberty podcast and the author of the Neighborhood Preparedness Guide, Come Unity, Community, and The Christmas Hook. He also is the head of the Prepper's Broadcasting Network. With the idea of being prepared understood as a good thing and not a bad thing, I sat down and talked with James about being prepared, and he enlightened me about many of the misconceptions surrounding the Prepper community. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We're here with James Walton the aforementioned that I uh, introduced prior to the break. James, thanks for being on with us and for bringing this uh, a little bit deeper into the subject of, and uh, I assume I kind of coined a phrase, prepperism. Uh, I like prepperism. Prepperism. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got into it, uh, what motivated you to get into it, and, uh, and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, sure. So, um first and foremost, Frank, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure uh to get on and talk to a podcast host like myself who's out here grinding,
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: For me, man, I this path that I'm on now is always it, it's always hilarious because I uh I have a unique background when it comes to prepping because I knew nothing outside of fishing. I fished for leisure with my father all my life. And beyond that, I guess you could say being able to handle and use a knife from being a cook and a chef as a profession, maybe that could lend itself there. But I was not military. I have no military background. I was pretty much a a wimp most of my life. No real machismo skill sets whatsoever. Not good at sports. None of that kind of stuff. When I moved into my first house to kind of paint the picture the best way I can, my wife and I have been together forever. And when we bought our first home, my father-in-law gave me my first hammer. You know what I mean? Just so out of it, just so woefully unprepared for manhood. It was it's it's hilarious to look (laughs) back. (laughs) I mean, it really it's a laughing stock compared to where I'm at now. Um, So I was never, you know. I use this as as, also as a way to invite people into prepping because I was as unprepared as anyone could be. You know, we had a pantry that was basically clutter and void of all food. It was just full of clutter and some things that we ate week to week. We were week to week shoppers, you know, and uh, I didn't even know how bad I was, Frank. You know, I was a like I said, I was a chef. I was an artsy guy. I had garage bands in high school and I was content. The problem was I was happy and content. You know, I have had this great woman. And uh so we we wind up having a baby. And um my first son, Carter, is 10 now. He comes in August. And uh in the early weeks of September, Richmond, Virginia, where I live still today, gets hit by a hurricane. Hurricane Irene. Hurricane Irene probably made me a prepper, really. She's probably the... The wench who's responsible for all this, <laughs> because she she shut the power out for a week. And I don't think I'd ever experienced a power outage, a week-long power outage. I came from southeastern Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly. You know, power outages were a six-hour thing when they were bad. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, right. we just were quick at it. And uh, we had no power for a week. We got this brand new baby. You know, my wife was fresh out of the hospital, basically. And, you know, we had family around and and we didn't really get dealt a bad hand. And we were we were the the, the gross amount of discomfort that w- was afflicted upon us just simply had to do with me sleeping at my brother in law's condo in an empty room on like a mattress on the floor. And it was kind of in that moment that I was like, whoa, like this wasn't that bad. This was more of an ego blow than anything else. But I was so passive at the time that I don't even think I took it that way, probably. It was just like, ah, eh, this is what we got to do. But from that moment on, man, the the, the cogs began whirring. <laughs> they began whirring like crazy. And uh, one of the first steps I took, which is probably absolutely insane, was I found the Prepper Podcast Radio Network, PPRN. Okay. They still exist. They're called the Posh Prepper Network now. They're run by a prepper author named D. Cooper. They had a com. I was, used to listen to them because I was trying to figure it out. I was I was watching Doomsday Preppers on TV. I was eating up all the kind of survivalist stuff I could watch and going like, oh man, this this might be a thing. And I was listening to these prepper podcasts. And I remember they started running this commercial, and it was a commercial for a host. No prior experience. <laughs> just we just need to fill airspace. We need a show host. And I said, you know what, being I was a lead singer, so being like real comfortable talking to crowds and with a microphone, I said, you know what, let's just do it. And, uh, you know, the worst thing that can happen is I get like booed out of existence by this small, hyper niche prepper podcast listening audience. And, and you know, I'll never run into any of these people anyway. So who cares? Right. Right. <laughs> and I, fr- I didn't frame it as here's James's show. He's the expert prepper. I told him exactly what the deal was. I don't know anything. And uh, we're going to we're going to learn it's together from that point on, man. It was uh, I made a few serious mistakes in the beginning. But from, from, from after that, it was pretty much just a uh, complete and total transformation to becoming the man that I am today. <laughs> I mean, well, almost in every aspect of my life,
2: in a, transformation in a, in a way that's that had to be inviting to people who are actually in your situation. Who are who are looking at saying, you know, I I am not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm I'm not ready for anything that hits me. Looking for for an outlet where there's a communal learning type of thing. So I, maybe it was the right place at the right time. It Which, could have
0: been. I mean, it wasn't like we went gangbusters and I became famous. I think you know <laughs> we had probably just terrifyingly bad podcast statistics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody! But, everybody's everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, it was a great learning. I'm glad we didn't, we weren't very big because I didn't know what the hell I was talking about most of the time. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm glad I didn't get clipped a bunch of times by, I mean, I was, so Frank, I was probably, I mean, I got married very young. I got married when I was 22 years old. And I so I had to be 26, 27 when I started this because I had my son just a few years after. Or no, maybe I was even younger. I might've been 25. Yeah, I was about 25. So I didn't have any business on a microphone to begin with. You know, I didn't even know who I was yet. (laughs) So So I'm glad nobody heard it.
2: So when you when you started needing to amass some uh, intellect in the prepper in the prepper realm, what were some of the first things that, that you found surprising, but that you found very, very necessary for someone who's just starting out?
0: one of the saving graces was my food service experience. Um, I was managing stock rooms and and restaurant inventory. So it was really easy for me to replicate those processes at home. And that was kind of step number one for us was let's get food. Let's get the food right. You know what I mean? Let's stop with this come Friday. We have no food in the house. Right, because you know if anything can happen if you're out of food now you just you're out of food you know it's a crazy thing to do in america people weigh 700 pounds you know there's no reason to be out of food in america so uh that was probably one of the first things that we did now a very dangerous and and remember now i'm i went to college to be a chef i went to uh center city philadelphia and worked with Alfred Portale, great chef out of New York City. I knew my stuff when it came to food. When you're in the mindset of sort of panic, which is what I was in for a while, probably a good year, year and a half, which is I'm completely unprepared and I'm spending 90 percent of my free time reading articles about the coming collapse. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? This is the most dangerous place you can be. And, and what's scary about it, Frank, is the nation is there right now. That's where the nation is. Most of the nation is unprepared. And unfortunately for them, I had to go to like shtfplan.com or, you know, all these weird offshoots that that you had to go search and find to read the crazy doom and bloom news. It's on CNN. It's on CBS. It's on the evening news. Everybody's in that weird place right now where they're kind of panicky, you know, and uh, you make real bad decisions when you're in that sort of mind frame. One of the things that I did, I purchased a 5 gallon pail of hard red wheat. And this was a really popular thing back in those days was okay. the buying of wheat. Like all the prepping websites were talking, you got to buy wheat, you got to get a hand grain mill. This is what you got to do if you're going to be a prepper. I can cook almost anything on the planet, Frank, and I ordered a 5 gallon pail of an ingredient that I had no idea how to prepare. And I didn't have a grain <laughs> mill to mill. Right. And, and it was just such a perfect example of how you, how you can make absolutely moronic decisions when you're terrified, you know, just to feel good, you know, and it, you saw it in 2020 with the, you know, TP apocalypse, right? Right. That's what it was. It was people just like, I'm terrified. I need to do something that's going to help me sleep tonight. so, we're going to stock the house up with toilet paper. At least we'll have toilet paper.
2: Yeah. My my girlfriend, CJ, doesn't really say that she's a prepper. She says she's more of a homesteader. But her big thing was making sure that she had enough rice and enough beans because she would be able to get the protein that she needs if there was ever a prolonged shortage of food, uh, which is a little bit different than I'm assuming that the that the wheat was.
0: Yeah, I mean, the there's a lot of protein in whole wheat. You know, if it's if it hasn't been de-germed and all that kind of stuff to be turned and bleached to turn into white flour, then it's it's got it's got its share of protein. Probably not as much as a bean. Well, it might be, might be pretty close to a black bean. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was it? It was a an interesting take on on something I look back on all the time and go, "Wow, how did you get you you, you were that terrified?" You know. And that's where you're at in the beginning. So if, if your <laughs> listeners are out there in that sort of a, a headspace, it's OK. That's exactly how you feel when you when you are unprepared. You don't know what next steps to take. And the whole world is telling you that you need to do something because there's no food. The oil's going through the roof. The, this is happening. You know, war with China, all the bad news that we hear on a day to day basis now on mainstream media. Is, it's an, it used to be an elective for me. And now it's just everywhere.
2: I spent uh close to twenty years as a in the in the fire service, and one of the big things that they taught us was when you when you come up to a raging scene uh take a breath and and, and remember that this is this is your gig it's not your emergency try to try to think calmly so when we translate that kind of a thought process to someone who's just getting started um, in prepping, what are some of the things to avoid besides going out and buying things just because everybody's telling you to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a big one. Um, that's a very big one. The biggest thing you, that that you need to avoid, though, when you first get started is how much you're taking in. How much, How much? we'll call it quote-unquote motivation, you're taking in on a day-to-day basis. Because I know a lot of people in the prep or the community that are completely addicted to taking in the daily motivation, if you will, or the or the horrors of the day. You know right. what I mean? And it's well, easy to get
2: Okay, kind of hard to
0: avoid today. I know. I yeah. know it is. Well, it is and it isn't right. You can make a pact to not open that phone up and not turn that TV on for the day. Yeah, true. True. You know, it seems hard, but, you know, it's just a discipline thing. But uh, yeah, that's a big one. And, you know, probably the most important thing. To do when you're first getting started is to address your family needs above all. You know what I mean? Is is what does your family actually need? Because everybody's unique. You know, everybody has their skills and their lack of skills and that whole thing. So it's I, we're we have something that at the Prepper Broadcasting Network that we call the base level of preparedness, and that's we just talk about six buckets that any person can fill at any time with any amount of money, really that will make a world of difference, and those are water, food, backup power, first aid, security, and evacuation. So if if I talk to a consultation client or something like that, we, we go over those buckets first. We say, you know, where are you at on all six of those things? And when you get some money and you say to yourself, I want to make a difference in my family's preparedness, figure out which one of those six buckets that you can affect this week because all of those will will help you in an emergency or
2: disaster okay let's let's if you don't mind uh, let's go over um examples of something that you would say would be necessary for each bucket
0: oh sure yeah well we'll just do it in order I keep water on the top tier because uh, everybody's got some food in the house you know so water is one of those things that that i want people to think about if you're going to go to affect water in a big way you're going to either install some measure of water catchment be it rain barrel or something else along those lines right water falls from the sky and it's free so preparedness for water starts with catching some of that water in my mind you want to be able to capture the free stuff that falls out of the sky and you can have a significant effect on the amount of water that you store outside of your home with just four fifty five gallon rain barrels. you know it's a lot of water if you okay. get if you get into the two hundred gallons of uh rainwater captured now i'd also recommend having some way to filter that water coming out of the rain barrel. so the life straw is a very popular water filter that preppers talk about a lot the sawyer is another very popular one i'm not a big fan of those guys i like bigger and more effective water filters i like pump style water filters pressurized water filters like uh creates a they they have a it's called the hiker pro katadyne katadin i don't know i've had it for years it's never (laughs) failed me it never leaves my camping and hiking bag it's a phenomenal tool there's another company called Hydro Blue, and they they offer something called the pressurized jerry can, and you can fill this thing up with three gallons of water right out of your rain barrel, and it pressurizes the water and filters it through three different kinds of filtration, and these these water filters are pretty affordable. You know, I think a, a Hiker Pro, a Kated and Hiker Pro is like 70 bucks. I think the, the pressurized jerry can is 120, 130, something like that. You know okay. what I mean? And okay. and just so you know, the the Hiker Pro, I don't. I think you could probably use it forever. <laughs> I mean, it, as in the amount that I use it, because I don't use it that much. Um, I know you can get like ten thousand filters, ten thousand gallons of water filter through the pressurized Jerry can, and uh, I don't know if you drink that much in a lifetime or use that much in a lifetime. It's a lot of water. Right. So they right. kind of catch and rainwater, being able to filter it and make sure that it's safe. And having energy to boil it in some way is going to assure that whatever you catch out of the sky, you can filter, boil, and drink, and you have water no matter what. Right. Now you have water no matter what happens to pipes, municipal services. doesn't matter if every guy who works at the water treatment plant decides to quit tomorrow. Because we know, <laughs> you know, whatever's going on with that lately. So as far as water is concerned, that's where I would start. Um, <clears throat> in terms of In terms of food, if you want to just keep going down the line… Sure. Uh, I always recommend to build out what we call the Prepper's Pantry first. I'm a huge fan of rice and beans. Huge fan of putting up lots of buckets of food. We do that. And I'd recommend people learn how to do that. Not that I don't like buying them, because you can buy them pre-made by a bunch of companies, and they do a good job with freeze-dried food. But I'd highly recommend people learning how to go to Sam's, buy rice and beans, put them in mylar bags with the right size oxygen absorbers, seal those bags, heat seal those bags, and and effectively make your own long-term food storage, which is way easier than most people think. And not only is is making your own long-term food storage easy and a great way to prepare, it's also kind of an investment, you know, because I've got food that's been stored in my pantry for a while, a couple years now, probably three years, and I've saved a lot of money because the price, of rice has gone up. The price of beans has gone up. Flour, sugar, all that stuff. It's about to go up again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So right. It, it is an investment too in the long term. But the prepper's pantry is just a means of looking at what you currently have in your pantry the foods that you guys eat, the dry, the box dry, the canned goods, and uh, buying more of them each time you go to the market,
2: right? So that you can assure that you have extra. You're not going out and buying uh, 10 cases of green beans. You're, you're you're going out when you go shopping and buying maybe one can extra to stockpile. Yeah, whatever you can afford
0: to do. You know, If I was going to buy a case of something or if I was listening to this and said I want to get a jump on preparedness real fast and build this prepper pantry in a hurry, um, if I were going to buy cases of things, it would be canned meats and canned meals. Uh, those are the most effective things things to have on hand, you know, that I would want to get right away. I'd okay. want to be able to deal with dinner through cans or through some other kind of boxed dry method that, uh, I wouldn't have to, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have to take six months to build up. Now, if you want to take six months to build up, all you got to do is throw an extra can or two in the cart every week. And, you know, in two to three months, you're going to go, Whoa, I got a lot of food now. Right, and of course, the 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 necessary element to managing a pantry of that size is first in, first out. Right, you got to make sure that your older product stays in front of the the newer stuff, and it's just a matter of rotation. And and most people lament it, but <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, like I said, being in the food industry, this was this was our life on a weekly basis. Was rotating stock and making sure we moved the old stuff out before the new stuff came in. But it's not as hard as it sounds, and it's pretty commonplace throughout history. Really, uh, we just got so used to the convenience of going to the supermarket all the time that we stopped keeping extra food around. You know? Right,
2: right. Yeah, when I lived on when I when I lived on the eastern shore of Virginia, you when you shopped, you went and you shopped for a while because it took forty minutes to get to the road that was going to get you twenty minutes down to the supermarket. Right. So, you didn't have the convenience of getting out there and just driving 10, 15 minutes to go to the store every day just to get out of the house. Uh, so it it makes sense that if you're planning for the long haul, making sure that you're you have sustenance going forward, um that you do prepare to stockpile you know so that you have a a good well-stocked pantry. Uh, what's next on the bucket list? The bucket list, I like that. Well, like, well, let me just
0: say, nothing put me more at ease, Frank, in my prepping journey. And I bought guns and I bought ammo and all that kind of stuff. But nothing made me sleep better at night than when I bucketed up my first 80 or so, I don't know, it was probably like 80 or so thousand calories of food. The first time I ever did it myself, I had stuff purchased already. But the first time I did that, I remember from that point on just having this peace of mind that Nothing I've done since has ever really done for me the way that food does. You know, yeah. just like knowing that no matter what chaos occurs outside of these four walls, we've got the fuel and the food and the water to eat.
2: Right. You know well, what I y- mean? Y- y- you have to be able to live in order to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a big one for me. But um, we're American, too. So up next on the list is power. <laughs> <laughs> Because just sustaining life is not necessarily an American thing. We like convenience and comfort. So I always get get laughed at in, in the prepping community because people tell me that they think that backup power is probably too high on the list of uh, necessities. You know, especially the survivalist guys that are like, we'll live in a, in a lean-to for six months, which just doesn't jive with me at all. Right. Um, so I'm a big fan of rechargeable batteries, power banks battery packs, solar power, gas generators. These are all things that you should sort of look into and decide. Number one, what is it you want to be able to turn on when everything turns off? And number two, you know, what can you use to manage the uh, temperature of your home also in an emergency that might come, you know, at the most radical of seasons? Right. You know, so can you run space heaters off your generator? Can you run a small air conditioner off your generator? And uh, you got to have a means to to bring power into your home when it's been turned off, because just we're just so device dependent to begin with. Right. And, you know, your phone yeah. is an incredible if there's cell signal, your phone is an incredible tool. You know, a lot of a lot of survivalists and preppers bash the cell phone and the dependency on it. And I get it. Um, But in an emergency, I mean, your cell phone can tell you everything and you want that. That's intelligence. Right. So right. backup power and whatever you know most of the time backup power, if I'm honest, Frank, comes down to uh budget, you know what I mean, okay. like really, the conversation most people are going to have with backup power is what can we afford you know if budget's not an issue, we put a giant whole house generator out there run run by natural gas attached to the home, and we're good, lights go out, we don't even know it um, but that's not the case for most
2: people, right Most people got to figure out what it is they want to do. <laughs> what it is as an aside, what if you, if you've got a, a a modest size house? Let's let's mm-hmm. say you're talking about 1,200 square feet, something sure. small, you know, not 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 a McMansion or anything like that. Um, what kind of ge- what size generator do you need? Yeah,
0: well, I have a 1,200 square foot house, and I bought years ago. I bought a 5,500 watt generator. Um, now I don't cycle it back in. To the house, so I don't plug that generator in to power the whole house. I'm not sure, I don't think it could do that. I don't think it could run washing machine. I know it couldn't run heat pump, but that generator has served me for the better part of eight years. Uh, very minimal maintenance on the thing. I think we got it for 700 bucks. We bought it on a tax free holiday, right? And I'll never forget when I was bringing it in, I was carrying it with my brother in law, and he looked at me cross and just said why are you buying this thing (laughs) which is funny to look back on now but uh yeah and it does everything i mean i can plug my stove into it if i want to cook which i never do um but i can run my refrigerator off of that i could run a, a chest freezer off of it i could run television video games all that kind of stuff if we want to it really does the majority of things that we need to do if it's cold we can run space heaters off of it I've never plugged an air conditioner into it because we haven't had a, a sort of a hot, water, a hot weather rather emergency. But, you know, for the average home, depending on how, how austere you are as a person, right? Like if you, if you can't stand to be cold for a minute or hot for a minute, then you might want to consider something bigger. Right. Um, but that's a powerful machine. I've never tested its limits with all that I've done with it.
2: Now, when you're talking, when we talk about rechargeable batteries and battery packs, obviously, we're going to need something to to be able to recharge those. So I, I assume even a smaller generator, um, even though it wouldn't power a, a, some of the major appliances in the house, let's say an air conditioner or such, but it would be enough to recharge those battery packs. Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of cool
0: technology out there. Um, we At the Prepper Broadcasting Network, we got a buddy named uh, – Alan Riggs. And Alan Riggs has a product called the G Mag. And the G Mag you can get at greenovative.com. And this thing recharges AA batteries using salt water and magnesium diodes. Hmm. And it it sounds like magic, um, but it works. I have one myself. It's it's basically my blackout kit, and uh I store a bunch of flashlights in it. It comes with some pretty cool USB high LED lights that you can plug into laptops or um flashlights that take those and uh it'll help that that little kit will light your house up and it'll recharge batteries uh another great company to look into is powerfilm solar and powerfilm solar does these sort of uh roll like they roll up like maps basically and they're solar sheets solar panels but not, you know, not the hard kind, right. right? They they roll up, you roll them out, throw them in the sunlight and they have an attached battery pack to them. And that has like two USB outlets. So you could recharge batteries or recharge devices directly using the power film solar. And all you need is the sun for that. Actually this year, every year we go to an event called Prepper Camp, Frank. It's like, uh, I, some people call it like Burning Man for preppers. I don't think that's really what it is. <laughs> but for yeah. us, for us, it is our chance to because uh, we have 14 hosts on the Prepper Broadcasting Network spread all around the country. It's our chance to all converge and meet in the flesh. You know right. what I mean? But but we charged everybody's phones on uh, Ryan and Colin Buford's Power Film Solar this year. That's wild. That's wild. I can
2: I can see people just getting that to have it. Yeah, they're you know, great. They're great. You know, um, with with all the just keeping it in your car, you know. Oh, for it, sure. You'll charge
0: them up pretty quick. It only took about half a day in in you know,
2: straight sun. Yeah, and when you're and when you're talking about the the battery life that a lot of the a lot of the cell phones have today, that that would be enough to keep you going for quite a while.
0: Yeah. So there's there's upper echelon, you know. Options and and then there's you know and they're not super cheap. The larger power film solar I think is two hundred and some, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: So they're not they're
0: not like a a steal, um, but they're effective.
2: Now you we've gone through water, food, energy.
0: Water, food, energy. Yeah. Then we got to talk about first aid. First aid is kind of an all encompassing thing in our household. We we build out what we have our medicine cabinet. We have a collection of great first aid books, which I'd highly recommend. Um, if you're looking for a title to start with, that's sort of one of my favorites in terms of diagnosis, you know, like having the ability to quickly diagnose what's happening to a family member in an emergency. Mm-hmm. The Prepper's Medical Handbook by William W. Forgey is is a masterpiece. Um, and it also has these different modules that you can put together, lists to build sort of an off-grid medical kit. William Forgie has treated he was down there in the earthquake in Haiti, okay, and he's practiced medicine in in austere locations all over the world, and that's kind of what what really resonates with me you know is he he has a mind for this stuff he right. knows what's going to be available, what you can pull off, and what you're not going to be able to pull off um so again that's called the Preppers medical Handbook if you're looking to get if you're looking to start at square one and not like buy a Merck that you're you're probably gonna struggle to find what you're really looking for in a book that big. Um so some some volumes obviously and then we build what are what we call like our first aid survival cache, which is just a collection of items to deal with wounds, right? Which tremendous amounts of gauze, tremendous amounts of rolled gauze, uh medical tape, rubber gloves, those types of things, just to be able to bandage wounds in the in the event that we can't get right to the doctor you know, right. for stitches or something like that, because you're going to go through a lot of that stuff. We also do obviously backups of things like children's Tylenols, Tums, Advil, uh, all the things that we take here. I don't take a lot of medicines, but my wife, she gets stomach aches a lot. So we do Tums, we do ibuprofen just for pain and fever and obviously kids medications. Cause we have a six year old and a 10 year old, um, you know, cough medicines, allergy stuff. We we put a we put all that stuff into what we call our first aid cache. We also carry a pretty impressive first aid kit that is for household use only, and that's you know, it's it's way above and beyond sort of the Walmart or Target first family first aid kit that you can buy.
2: Right, you know? and I and I imagine if you have uh, prescription medication that you need. Uh, that you really should think about squirrelling some of that away. Yeah, it's tough.
0: It's tough for people with that because it depends on what your doctor says. You know, some doctors are, are will will follow you down that path. Um uh, but some prescriptions you also can't you can't get a lot extra of. And uh I don't have an answer for you unfortunately.
2: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it it seems it seems to me that uh in in this day and age when when things are very uncertain you know they they really are with with the way the world is going today sure you know you've got some countries out there testing hypersonic missiles and it's it's concerning <laughs> well that uh, same
0: country makes your medicine
2: <laughs> yeah that's that, and that's scary too uh we had a, we had a guy on a couple of weeks ago by the name of Judson Carroll who was talking about uh, uh herbalism and um and being able to create some of the things that you would need medicinally from the stuff that you come across in your backyard and, and in natural settings around you that that fits hand in hand with this. Um, so it, it seems to me that if you have a medical, a medical condition, you want to look into maybe holistic and homeopathic things uh, to include into this kit. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you know to, if,
0: I'll tell you what I always tell
2: people when it comes to prescription meds and I know this
0: doesn't apply for everybody and it also won't work for everybody but if this is just me personal I'm 35 years old but I've worked on fitness and physical uh, health for a long time had I not and had I been in you know on a on an insulin or on some kind of high blood pressure or something like that first thing I'd do was and it's a radical time in my opinion so taking radical steps is no sweat off my back I would radically go over my diet and change my diet and 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 make physical fitness a very big part of my life you know what i mean just to see if i can get rid of this one prescription two prescriptions whatever it is that would be my preparedness sort of um journey that i would take i would say i'm getting in shape i'm gonna sleep good and i am going to uh eat rice every day if i have to whatever it's going to take to get off of these medications because if they go away and you need them man it's it's going to yeah. be really ugly
2: you know it, it, and, it's, and and if, if it's very serious medication it's your your clock is ticking
0: sure sure and if you're the man of the house then you're also you know probably the protector too you know you, you might be the guy who's the lead on all this prepping stuff and you know if you go <laughs> it, it's too much you know it's just far too much of a risk to to not take those kinds of radical actions for your health
2: right so what's next on the bucket list and i keep calling it the bucket list that I, I i know people no i
0: like I, it because <laughs> that's what i always refer to i always tell people these are the six buckets you want to you want to put your money into right you know, i want them to look at it that way because you can get dazzled by by laser sights and body armor and you know all kinds of stuff that preppers get be dazzled by and uh you spend a lot of money out there in the outfield and you don't wind up getting any more prepared right you know right. like a safe full of guns when are you going to use it you know there's very rare circumstances when you're going to be firing 30 rounds of 556 five, out of your house and if you're firing rounds out of your house You've failed on so many levels already when it comes to sort of preparedness down the line, which I don't think we have time to go into. But, you know, you should never be fighting from your home anyway. Um, so, you know, this uh, this it, you can get in the weeds real quick as a prepper. These six buckets kind of keep you focused and keep you on the right path. And uh, funny enough, the next one is security. Security, right. So security is... uh. I take a strong deterrent stance when it comes to security, you know, and and that's just a matter of making your home the least desirable home for a criminal on the block. And I prize my neighbors. So it's not that I want them thrown to the wolves, but my personal motivation is I want someone to come down my street and 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 case my street and immediately be able to say All right, that house looks like the one I don't want to mess with for any number of reasons. You know, I work from home. So one of the big reasons you wouldn't want to, you know, case the home is the fact that there's a man home all the time. Right. Right. That's not a lot of people can pull that off, I guess. But, well, maybe they can nowadays. Everybody's working from home. But there are little deterrents that that don't necessarily have to be like hanging a – a burglar from the power lines. You know what I mean? <laughs> Up front of your house. Yeah, you, can't, you don't want to have your own personal in front of you. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to take those kinds of steps. You know, the uh, another great deterrent is um, we fell in love with pit bulls really young, my wife and I, by accident. And uh, so we always have pit bulls. We've always had pit bulls. And, and when people walk by our house, typically, unless they're inside taking naps, um, they're going to see them out there. The dogs come running up to the fence. They're not going to hurt you. They'll be wagging their tails, but you probably won't notice they're wagging your tails. You'll probably go, God, that's a massive dog. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's as good a deterrent as anything else also. Um, But there are steps you can take. There's some really cool products out there, too. Um, 3M makes this really cool tape that you can put on your windows that basically makes them shatterproof. Uh, So, you know, now if somebody comes to accost you in the middle of the night and they ram a elbow or a hammer or whatever it is through your glass door or your window, um, you're going to hear it and it's not going to move. It's not going to give, you know, they're not just going to be able to get right in. So either you're going to hear it or they're going to say, in most cases, unless you have like diamonds and gold and they know about it, they're probably going to say, um, uh, let's move on because this right here, I don't know what else is going on behind this house, but I can't even break the windows to get in. Right. right. So if you're an average criminal who's there for a smash and grab, And you go to smash and it doesn't smash, you're probably going to back off. Um, Floodlights, you know, typical things. We don't do security systems or security signs or anything like that. I'm not a big fan of that stuff. And I don't really want to go into the defending your home from the inside topic. But, you know, you should be a formidable person this day and age. I think it's just good and practical. You know, to at least have a presence and a physicality about you that can be a deterrent in and of itself, right? That's being in shape, being healthy, being able to carry yourself. We all carry guns because we're crazy preppers. So that, you know, <laughs> no. that's a deterrent in and of itself as well. But
2: yeah, I, think, I, I think I think we're seeing in the in some of the reports of, of uh, the numbers of people who are purchasing firearms today that uh, that's a growing community. Yeah. To put it yeah. lightly.
0: Yeah, so. and a, and massive minority community yes, the numbers skew incredibly african American and incredibly female, which is music to my ears
2: yeah well when <laughs> you know when you're when when you 've got activists who don 't have to uh who who don 't have to suffer the consequences of what they 're asking for, and what they 're asking for is to remove peace officers and law enforcement officers from the streets you've got to be able to protect yourself look what happened in seattle look what happened in portland you know if you didn't have a weapon in the house you were there to be taken
0: yeah it's great they tell you from behind the veil of their personal security detail that you shouldn't have weapons to protect yourself Right. 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 As they
2: as they put up razor wire around the around the Capitol building.
0: Well, I think Cory Booker got got billed out something like sixty five thousand dollars to his personal security company over the last six months or whatever. And, uh, you know, he was he was one of the biggest, loudest, obnoxious mouths in the whole thing about you don't need police. We don't need any more police.
2: Yeah, I just need
0: guys with uh, MP5s around me. Don't worry about that.
2: (laughs) Right. right. What was it? What was the Corey? Was it Corey Bush who said uh, I have to protect my body? Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, Cory Booker. What Book- would I say, Cory Booker? Cory Booker, probably the same though. So you know, yeah. oh, cut it's out the of same
0: the, mentality. Cut it out of the same cloth. Yeah, it's definitely the same mentality. It's, it's the upper crust and then the the peasants like you and I, right? Yeah, yeah. A, the Protect serfs, yourself the, with your old baseball bat or something. We don't the, know. The serfs
2: and the lords. Um, yeah, you which got is it. which is not a street gang from the fifties, by the way. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so we've we've done security. What's next? So the
0: final piece of the puzzle is, uh, something that most Americans do pretty bad and most preppers do pretty bad too, I think. And it's, uh, simply evacuation, simply having an evacuation plan in the prepping world. Um, we spend, well, you better spend a lot of time if you plan on doing some kind of a bug out, like everybody's heard the word bug out now, I think, right. Mm -hmm. The bug out is pretty taken for granted, um, We just just to sort of quantify the bug out real quick, because it's it blew my mind. But we have a a membership base at the Prepper Broadcasting Network, and we did a bug out series for them. So, like, let's sit down and really talk about this bug out thing and how we should really build an effective bug out plan. This turned out to be a seven, a seven podcast series, an hour per podcast. And I ramble when I podcast. I didn't. I didn't do much rambling in this series. You know, this it was so much information to put together to figure out how you're actually going to bug out from your home to a place where you're not going to die in three weeks or starve or whatever else. Um, it's a big deal, you know. So if you're sitting here listening and you're thinking to yourself, "I'm ready to bug out. I got my backpack filled with gear, and uh, there's some woods," you know, do west. <laughs> Right. There's a lot of, <laughs> we should talk <laughs> because that's not a good plan. um So, what I like to focus on, which is easier, is evacuation because it's also more common. You know, the bug out gets a lot of press, but I don't know hardly any preppers who've bugged out to date. You know? Right. And we went through a national pandemic last year. Nobody bugged out that I knew, you know? So, um, it's not a thing that really gets executed very often either. The evacuation, however, You know, that can strike at any time. Your house could catch on fire. You could be out in the West in these wildfires, floods in the East, hurricanes in the South, whatever it is, you know, a lot of times you get some warning, might not be a lot, but you get some warning that it's time to evacuate and it shouldn't be, oh shit, honey, we have to evacuate, grab as many important things as you think we need (laughs) and let's run out the door. Um, So just developing a short list of the items that you do want to take that are important um, we recommend these like a fireproof bag or, or handbag or safe where you can store cash, maybe a firearm, obviously insurance pr- proof of identification documents, maybe some important pictures, books, whatever. Have it all in that bag um, so that that's like the biggest step out of the way. OK. You know, your five year old can do it. Hey, buddy, go get the evacuation bag, you know, and and then you eliminate. Ninety percent of the panic, if you're if you ever turn on the news and they say there's a massive gas leak and everyone has to evacuate. (laughs) Right. 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 It's like we're not scrambling. We know what we need to take and we got most of it already. Um, And that's that's really the final piece of the puzzle. You know, as far as beginners getting into prepping, staying focused and building a base level of preparedness that you'll be able to use in most disasters.
2: And and uh, having all of these things, and you've said this a couple times during during our talk so far, having these things compiled really does kind of help you calm down when something happens because you have the security of having these things in place. You know, we get
0: accused of being and have always been accused of being the, the scared and the paranoid. And through 2020 we saw the scared and the paranoid and we were not remotely scared or paranoid. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was really weird. It was because you start to buy into what people say about you all the time. You know, sometimes you'll be like, maybe I am a little paranoid or whatever, but you know, when it really got ugly, all of the hosts, we would, we would talk offline and we always talk offline and we were just like, I don't know, man, I feel like I'm in a good place. You feel good. Yeah, I feel good. (laughs) You know, and uh, and the rest of the nation was scared and paranoid. So, yeah, there's there's tremendous peace of mind in in preparedness, even the base level preparedness, like what we're talking about. You get those things under your wings and you'll just be able to go to work and go to sleep at night and not be saying like, oh, my God, what if the grocery stores close next week? You know, like, what if we're good? We got food. We got ways to cook. We got ways to heat the home. We're fine. And, uh Yeah. I think America's going to need to make that kind of a cultural change here.
2: We're talking with James Walton. He is the head honcho over at the Prepper Broadcasting Network. Uh, You can go over there at www.prepperbroadcasting.com. We'll be right back. I want to talk with with James a little bit about some of the myths and the misconceptions about prepping when we come back. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this.
1: Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea.
2: Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We're talking with James Walton. Uh, He is the the head of the Preppers Broadcasting Network. Uh, He's also got uh, two books out. One is called The Christmas Hook. Uh, One is a a neighborhood preparedness guide called Come Unity Community. Um, Be sure to check both of those out. They're both available on Amazon.com. Um, and I do wanna before we get into the myths, I do wanna point out that you also have a company called um disastercoffee.com. Um give, give me a real quick uh idea of what people can find if they go over there.
0: Yeah, sure. So disastercoffee.com is what you would imagine a prepper coffee company would look like. Uh we do incredible coffee that is roasted to order and shipped direct to your house. Uh, so we don't hold on to inventory whatsoever and in my opinion, it's the best way to do coffee. But we have blends like Supply Drop. We've got an incredible six-bean espresso we call Pandemic. Uh, <laughs> we've got a Category 6 blend. Uh, the the coffee that we released this year was a Max Caffeine blend called Civil Unrest. So Civil you'll probably Unrest. get the idea of you know the game that we play over there at Disaster Coffee. And uh, a portion of our profits also go to a 501c3 called grindstone ministries who essentially put boots on the ground every time there's some kind of hurricane or disaster around the panhandle area um they show up they hand out food they hand out things so we give them money so that 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 we know we're positively affecting these communities that are
2: affected by disaster that's beautiful beautiful um Okay, so myths and misconceptions. When when you, uh, I, I moved from Virginia down to the Panhandle and uh, into a community that had a, a lot of – it was peppered with a lot of military because there are a lot of military bases in and around the area where where I live. And it wasn't uncommon to hear, well, th- those, those people over there, they're preppers, they're preppers. And my idea of what that was, even coming from a firefighter's background, was – well, you know, they got to be hunkering down and getting cases of this, and then and, and there's camouflage and ghillie suits everywhere, and this, that, and <laughs> the other. Um, once I got to know them and what they were doing, it was really much more of a graduated idea of be prepared. So yeah. why don't you cover some of the common misconceptions and myths around preppers and, and um, relieve people of those? Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, our our tagline is self reliance and independence, and we feel like we feel like the steps that we take as preppers push us in that direction, right? We kind of we know a lot of off grid homesteaders, people who are really in the self reliance business for themselves, and uh, they tell us all the same thing. It's it's virtually impossible to be one hundred percent self sufficient right? Um, Because you're not digging petroleum out of the ground, right? You're not digging oil out of the ground and processing it into petroleum, amongst many other things that we take for granted every day. Uh, But we can at least put all, we can all put ourselves on a path towards self-reliance where we take little steps at a time to kind of divorce ourselves from some of the convenience that we've overindulged in, you know? Convenience has been crazy, Frank. We have been lulled into a what I call a 100-year amnesia, by (laughs) literally by convenience, in 70 years. You know, 70 years we have forgotten so much, just unbelievable amounts of knowledge, you know, that I've learned from bushcrafting and from studying Native Americans and how much we knew about this planet and what it can do and what we could do compared to the average person today who is like, if it can't be bought, then I guess it's a problem I can't solve. Right. It's pretty pretty mind boggling. But um <clears throat> yeah, preppers preppers still sell papers and get clicks and all that kind of stuff. And um it's easy to sort of create those misconceptions. Uh probably the biggest one is is the hoarder myth, right? The, the myth that we, we hoard everything and, and there's no room in the house and all we do is just buy cases of everything and store it away for a rainy day. Um There are people out there like that and there are preppers out there like that. But, you know, most preppers, again, when most misconceptions about preppers can come down to common sense logic in terms of budget, you know, so to be sort of this crazy doomsday prepper with the bunker and the hordes and uh, and the all that stuff, you know, your average bunker is going to run you about 70 grand. I don't know a lot of people who got seventy grand laying around where they're just gonna say, yeah, let's put a bunker in the backyard.
2: We can afford it. Yeah, sounds like sounds like a good weekend project.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. And and again, if you if you stockpile all the guns and all the ammo, we're talking about another serious serious investment here. You know, not it's not like the average American prepper has hundreds of thousands of dollars of disposable income to pump into this thing. Um so the hoarding aspect and sort of the more extreme bunker living aspects of things uh really lend themselves to people who can afford that kind of a lifestyle. You know? Right. Right. Uh other can miscon- well, I I can tell you right now, a really close friend of ours at PBN, she used to be a host, um, she's getting mocked in the news right now. The the Sun News, I think is Australian, um wrote a piece on her about her name is morgan rogue she's great she lived in arizona off-grid and she recently moved to alaska off-grid and uh they framed her out to be preparing for some sort of zombie apocalypse and uh the headline to one of the regurgitations of the original article was crazy Mum moves family off-grid to alaska and uh you know it's it, it it's that sort of reframing of our message that happens all the time when we went to our first prepper camp Frank we were approached by business insider and uh business insider did such a number on on several of the hosts of the prepper broadcasting network and the event itself uh they did such a number in fact that the the event the people who put the event on Rick and Jane Austen who were on the show Doomsday Preppers back then um they don't even allow press into prepper camp anymore.
2: See, that's, that's just – what is the and, – and this is the first question that comes to my mind. How can anybody be against being prepared for the worst-case scenario? Well, I've got theories, Frank. <laughs> you, you know, I mean you, we pay taxes to keep firehouses there in the worst-case scenario. We pay taxes to have police officers on the streets. Most places do Um, Mm -hmm. in in a worst case scenario. We have hospitals for a worst case scenario. So why would an activist downplay being prepared for the worst case scenario? I think it's something
0: people don't feel like doing and they know they should. And we are the few people that sort of through our own actions can make others feel really bad about not doing those things you know what i mean and i see this in people's faces when i because i don't have a covered job anymore like i used to have a covered job i do this for a living mm-hmm. right like i used to work at the food bank here at richmond was a great job um but that's what i used to be i used to be a guy that worked at the food bank now i'm a guy that writes for prepper publications and and runs a prepping podcast network it's no mm-hmm. more hiding and what what generally happens is. And it's really kind of fun to watch, I'll be honest. What generally happens is some form of initial mockery, right? Whether it be polite mockery or otherwise, which is almost almost abruptly followed by questions. Like real legitimate questions. You know, like just the other night, we were at uh, Boy Scouts with the kids, and... Boy Scouts is fun with our kids. They, you know, they know a lot already. Yeah. But so we were there with, with my I was doing I was leading sort of the den meeting for that night with my little son. And one of the one of the family members says, you know, what what's with the prepper because I have one of my friends made me a prepper broadcasting network mask, which is okay. funny in and okay. of itself. And uh my wife, we you know, my wife and I, we go along to get along with the masks. For school and for Boy Scouts, and that's really it. And and the reason we do it for Boy Scouts is because our friends are the troop leaders, and they started it. Um, you know, so it's kind of out of respect for them. They're inside of a church, and the, this is the church's thing. So, yeah. I got this really cool mask anyway, so I'm not that heartbroken over it. But uh, <laughs> it says what's the de- what's the deal with the Prepper Broadcasting Network, James? What is that? And I said that's like that's how I make my living. And uh, he said, so what are you like, a prepper or something? And I said, yeah. And then he kind of went quiet. And then, you know, a discussion ensued about, so do preppers use like corn cobs to wipe their ass? or What (laughs) what did they do? They weren't really worried about the toilet paper issue. Right. And, you know, that's sort of the level of mockery that I expect from the average person trying to like figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Then he goes quiet for another few seconds, and then he says,
2: "I probably should talk to you about storing some dry food." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it seems to me that there the the mockery comes from a from a point of ignorance. It comes from that, and I I don't I don't mean that in an incredibly mean. No, yeah, yeah.
0: I know. Talking about a lack of not understanding. Yeah, yeah. I think it also comes from a little bit of a of a hit to the ego. You know what I mean? If you're presented with a person that's like, "I'm taking care of my family this way." Even if they, which I never do, even if they don't say, and you're not, I think in their head, they're like, well, he's doing that and I'm not, why am right. I not doing that? You know what I mean? So and there's a, there, there's a twinge of guilt there. I think so. I think that has a lot to do with it, you know, cause you get around enough people, you can say those crazy preppers who are doing that weird stuff to take care of their family are just nuts. And that kind of lets you say, you know what? Tonight, I'll play video games instead of worrying about uh, putting rice up
2: (laughs) because that would be crazy. But but you also because, you know, you're prepared for the worst case scenario, even even if just generally that if all of a sudden it does come on the television that there was another 9-11 or there was something that was even bigger than that or the homeland was attacked or the power grid went down or there was an EMP or if if there was an earthquake you know any of that stuff there's you you've got to feel a little bit more in in control of an uncontrollable situation oh yeah you've got plans where yeah. where where the people who are who lash out in ignorance, again, that I'm not castigating anybody, they know in their hearts that they're not ready for any of that. and They're going to have to rely on government.
0: Yeah. I mean, that—that that is the gist of it. If you don't have a plan, you're not ready for it. There's no way you're going to shuck and jive your way through the power grid went down. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just not something you're going to be able to deal with if you haven't thought through it yet. And it's scary, man. I don't I don't I don't cast, you know, judgment on the people who do mock me and that kind of thing. You know, a lot of the news organizations in 2020 reached out to me and almost all of them asked me the same question. They tried to bait me into uh, sort of being like a told you so. Mm -hmm. You know, the New York Times did it. Insider did it uh i i got interviewed by the philadelphia Inquirer. same thing they all had this question about do you ever feel like you 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 want you want the general public to understand that you were right and they were wrong that kind of thing you know and i was like i i don't you know what what would i gain from that like i don't know that they were wrong i just don't think that they were ever educated
2: you know when and, and this is something that uh i've noticed especially um living with my with my girlfriend who's who's prepared like this she said when when it comes down to everybody else not having we're going to be the people they turn to in the immediate in order to survive
0: well you saw that in 2020 yeah in 2020 people started buying emergency food (laughs) you know they went right to the sort of the prepper outlets they bought up emergency food. They, they, the numbers for, at least for our podcast network and other preppers around the world, it really exploded. There were a lot of people paying attention. It was beautiful because we had created a kind of infrastructure, Frank, like digital and physical that allowed people to, um, take that kind of action. Like, what should I do in a pandemic? Let me go on YouTube and see, let me go search podcasts and see. And th- th- you know, there was a, bunch of podcasts that were made years ago and videos that were made years ago by preppers who said who who had already thought this stuff through you know yeah because the cdc the cdc offers up information but what preppers do really well is kind of tell you look for you and your household these are the steps that you should take you know it's not that generic kind of like cough into your coat sleeve get vaccinated (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, and 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 today with what's go co- with with how organizations like the CDC and the NIH and and even on a more global scale, uh, the World Health Organization, how they've been politicized. There's oh, a yeah, lot of people true. who just don't trust what they're saying. Sure. They've given
0: us plenty of reason not to. Uh you know, that is what it is.
2: So even, when you're on that go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, in a in a nutshell, when when we look at what a prepper is. And uh, there, and there are certain degrees. There, there are many degrees of of how deeply you want to get into the subject and and preparedness and everything else. But you're really just talking about preparedness and responsibility.
0: Yeah, pretty much, pretty much self-reliance and independence through preparedness. Right, so, uh, recognizing that if it, Dave Jones, the NBC guy, is a is a host on our network and he's a 25-year military veteran taught nuclear biological and chemical warfare so he he's one of these guys that when i met him the first time he changed my whole preparedness outlook and i was already <laughs> on that path you know yeah. just because of this knowledge that he had but he always says on on the end of his shows don't despair prepare and it's it's quaint and it's you know kind of like hallmarky um but it's it's such a great way to sort of analyze where you're at in your life. You know, if you find yourself in this situation where you can't go to bed at night, you're constantly checking news feeds for what might happen or what what's the big thing that you're worried about, um, then you need to prepare for that thing. You know, if you think that China's going to attack the United States over Taiwan or, or something along those lines and you're up every night worrying about this war and what could happen, then you have to prepare for it. I mean, you literally have to, Frank, like there's no there's no other course of action other than to turn yourself into a neurotic mess.
2: (laughs) And then and then we just keep feeding the. uh, the, Yeah, the the, the psychology we keep feeding the beast, as it were, where you you, everybody's a victim. Don't I I guess another another way you could put it is uh, is if you're prepared, you're kind of skirting victimhood a little bit. Oh, totally. I can't
0: I can't even think of a. I can't even begin to think of a prepper who could be at least at the individual level victimized, you know they yeah. i mean maybe maybe accosted and victimized by a much larger organization they seem to be pointing their turrets towards us in the d h s lately um yeah. so I don't know what that's going to look like, but yeah, as far as day to day operations, you know we don't we don't lend ourselves to victimhood at all. You know, most preppers are armed and most preppers know how to defend themselves and 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 are prepared financially and, and, you know, physically and all of those things. Right. It's a it's an overall fortification of kind of the average person.
2: James, uh, tell everybody how they can how they can uh, listen to you on uh, on on the network, and tell them about your books and the URLs. and And I'm I'm just going to start that whole ball off rolling by saying uh, it's it's disastercoffee.com.
0: Yeah, disastercoffee.com. Yeah. Go get some go get some coffee, especially if you're a patriot, especially if you're nervous about the BRCC. <laughs> We're yeah. a great uh, toadstool to jump to. Um, but anyway, prepperbroadcasting.com is is the central hub for our network. Again, we are a 7-day uh, a week podcast network. We do multiple shows per day. Uh we have we, we're bearing down on 15 hosts. We're going to introduce a new host next week. Um and it's it's too much content for any one person to listen to just so you know, but it's a diverse group and you know, you can kind of get your cup of tea in there. Even if you don't listen to all the shows, you'll find your show. Um, And you can listen to those at PrepperBroadcasting.com, but we're also available wherever podcasts are everywhere. You know, all of them, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all the stuff. We're there. Um, So you can listen to us there. And and we don't do much by way of social media, so I don't have anywhere to send you really for social media stuff. Uh, So either visit the website PrepperBroadcasting.com or go find us and subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. Um, real quick on the books, I do appreciate the time to sort of talk books. Yeah. Uh, writing is something that I do for a living. I haven't published a book in some time. I'm kind of lagging behind on that. Now is the time of the year for the Christmas hook. Um, the Christmas hook also has a matching coffee that comes out of disastercoffee.com this time of the year. Same name. Um, but if you're looking for a new age sort of Christmas story set in the night, 90s in the row homes of a town in pennsylvania called marcus hook uh it's a little creepy it's about (laughs) it's about three nine-year-old kids sort of meandering through this row home lifestyle they all have their challenges uh and it is there's some very creepy moments in the christmas hook when they find this strange relic that they come to name the christmas hook uh It's a pretty cool story, kind of a throwback to the ghost stories of old, you know, sort of the English and uh, London style ghost stories of old, Um, but a good, good read for this time of the year for sure. Um, And if you're, if you're into prepping or if you're, you like the idea of community in general, um, Come Unity Community was the book that I wrote to try to figure out how you can make, how you can get back to neighboring. You know, because much of the Christmas hook is built of my own experience growing up in the row homes southeast of Philly. Right. And the neighborhood there was as tight knit as it gets. And when you move out of a neighborhood like that, you kind of miss it. So I wanted to figure out how how do you rebuild it? How do you build a neighborhood in this modern age when people are are so siloed within their homes and so happy and content right. in their homes?
2: And connected, through, um, and connected through, through people by social media. Yeah. And, and we were also
0: sort of heading down the path in 2015 when this book was published of this crazy political biased world that we live in now where everything's touchy. So that book really breaks down kind of how to how to navigate that. It's not it's not really a preparedness book. It really is a book about neighboring and And you can do with that whatever you want, but it's got the best icebreaker there is for- for for creating your first neighborhood group, and that is to start a uh community garden in your neighborhood and the book goes into kind of how to do that and why that's so important. but check it out, like I said, they're both very affordable reads um I've got a bunch of other books published over there on Amazon too. If you click my name, you'll see kind of the full the full scope of my madness.
2: and And, and, there's more to come and and his name is james walton w-a-l-t-o-n be sure to check out what he does over at uh, prepperbroadcasting.com james i want to thank you for coming on and i hope as we move forward into this this unpredictable and and quite honestly a little bit unstable world uh that we might be able to chat again oh most definitely well we're gonna bring you on for sure frank I appreciate the opportunity. You are listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We've just been talking with James Walton about uh, prepping and and why it's necessary, why it's responsible, and why it allows you to be uh, mired in American individualism. Uh, We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: crafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea.
2: As smeared and attacked as the Boy Scouts of America is today, back in a more civilized day the organization taught young boys into adolescence how to do many of the basic things one would need if in fact they were to live off the land, or be forced to live off the land. The same goes for the Girl Scouts of America. Be prepared was the Boy Scout motto. Today, With the feminization of our society and the introduction of the nanny state, the common sense of being prepared for the worst of times has morphed into a knee-jerk move to government dependency. If you need any proof of that, just recall the last year under the government-controlled COVID society. The same advocates for government being the solution to all of society's problems are the same ones that attempt to cast a shadow over the prepper community because they dare to be educated and determined enough to survive the toughest of times. Frankly, not being prepared for the worst of times, especially given the incompetency of the current presidential administration and the fact that the federal government has become an entity that today rarely serves the American people as it was designed to do, well, not being prepared for your own survival is a pretty stupid way to live. You're literally ceding your well-being to the same government that is mandating vaccines that aren't fully vetted for side effects or function. Check out Jim Walton's podcast at www.prepperbroadcasting.com. It's full of great information and essential links to information you can use Don't get flat-footed when it hits the fan. Many people will. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to sign up for everything that we offer over there so we can keep in direct contact with you. We'll be right back after this.